You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Hi all. Wow. We are recapping season 10 of Spot On. Oh my goodness gracious. What a season this was. We kicked it off learning more about this anti-obesity medications. And I asked our guest, Dr. Yanni Freehold, to explain what these medications are and really who may benefit by using them. Let's listen. Tell us, what are these drugs? What do they do? So, so the drugs are, are uh, at this point, we have, uh, I guess I would describe this as sort of the, the new generation of anti-obesity medications. Uh, they are uh, glucagon-like peptide 1 analogs currently. So glucagon-like peptide 1 is a hormone produced by our intestines when there's food in our stomach. We've been using these drugs actually in type 2 diabetes for nearly 20 years. So I think uh, the first of these drugs was approved by the FDA in 1998. That's a drug called loraglutide. That's a daily injectable GLP-1 analog. And uh, we've been using them in obesity for less time, not because we didn't know that they helped, but because the hurdles that are put in front of obesity drugs to clear to become approved are much higher than virtually all other drug categories. And that's because, unfortunately, weight bias permeates uh, the medical community as well. Our next episode was on about food addictions. Is it a real thing? Are some highly processed sweets and treats so affordable and accessible that they can perpetuate a food addiction? So I wanted to get to the bottom of this, so I invited Dr. Ashley Gerhardt to join us to tell us about her intriguing research on food addictions. Let's listen. And when I look at, you know, the sort of highly processed foods that now dominate our food environment, people know they're not good for them. They know they have diabetes. They know they're having heart disease and sleep apnea. They want to cut down on them. And they find that they, those foods feel so irresistible. The cravings are so potent. They, once they start eating them, they find they can't stop that. It's much like how we saw with addictions with cigarettes. This next episode was one that I've always wanted to talk more about. We called it body image healing. What is body image? And with so many media messages of body images, expert Marcy Evans joins us in this episode and takes a deep dive on into how these messages are affecting your relationship with your body. But most importantly, we also talk about how to start healing this relationship. I am a believer, and when I talk about this with my clients, that they get to define what body image means to them. And so I'll offer one way to think about what body image even is with the caveat that I don't think we need to get all academic about it. I think that we can think about 
what it means to each of us because we all have our own unique experience of, of living and having a body. But one way to think about body image is it's this kind of intersection of thoughts and feelings and sensations and emotions all tied into what we see when we look in the mirror and what we imagine other people see when they see us. Now, I actually, I dive into it even a little bit more nuanced than that because I think it has a lot to do with how we experience our body, not just the visual piece, but kind of a basic way to look at it is this interplay between thoughts and feelings and actions and sensations all tied into what we see when we look in the mirror, what we imagine other people see when they look at us. Grandma has Alzheimer's and can the diet help? The answer to this is yes. The latest research suggests that your diet may reduce Alzheimer's dementia risk and slow cognitive decline. I invited a Rush University researcher to join us to discuss the MIND diet and its impact, well, on your mind. The creators at Rush, uh, and she was my former mentor, Martha Claire Morris and her colleague came up with the MIND diet, right. which is the Mediterranean DASH intervention uh, to delay neurodegenerative disorders. So, so what is this MIND diet? So this basically uh, is all about including certain amount of healthy food groups, which are good for your brain health, mm-hmm. and then limiting certain food groups, which are not good for your brain health. So it's a combination of like 10 good foods and limiting five unhealthy food groups. I love this next episode, Up Your Veggies. We all know that we should be eating more veggies, and the problem is how to easily squeeze them into our day. After listening to this episode with Toby Amador, she's the author of Up Your Veggies, you'll understand the important role veggies play in keeping you healthy, and more importantly, how to add more vegetables to your diet. Let's listen. Um, so basically the fiber, which isn't digested, mm-hmm. uh, it's not, it's broken down by the body, but you don't get absorbed into the body. So it helps move things along and there are various types of fiber in vegetables and it helps move things along in your GI tract. And one of the things it helps do, it helps keep you regular, That's uh, right. helps your, keep your digestive system on track. And it also helps, um, you know, reduce the risk of colon cancer, alleviate constipation, keep you regular. And I know I have um, teenagers that do complain to me that these, you know, constipation is an issue from a younger age all the way on up. So one of the things are, hi, eat your vegetables. And it's not just one vegetable. It's not like I munch on carrots every day. That is not what I'm saying here. We're hearing so much on ultra-processed food that I thought we needed an update. So on this episode, we asked, what exactly are ultra-processed foods? And really, are there potentially healthy foods that are ultra-processed but can be really good for you? Let's listen. We have ultra-processed foods, and ultra-processed foods are characterized Uh, that they're mainly composed of uh, very refined and isolated substances, so starches, oils, fats, sweeteners, etc. And um, they have been processed with the purpose of create 
uh, durable, padable, and also affordable and high uh, products with a high profit margin as well. Um, so and also a, lo a long shelf life too. Exactly, right? like, exactly. Right. But it's different from the processed foods, which, uh, you know, something like canned tomatoes have also been processed for uh, in order to enhance uh, preservation and shelf life. Um, whereas, you know, something like a ketchup would be an ultra processed foods if it contains certain additives, etc. So uh, ultra processed foods have been processed further and they have less whole. They're not composed mainly of whole foods. Um, they're mainly composed of other very processed ingredients and then have added ingredients that you would not find in your your home kitchen so um, cosmetic additives such as uh, food dyes or um, flavor enhancers or things like that that you would not use at home and they have often undergone processes that are specific to the industry as well we ended Season 10 with Food is Medicine. Is food really medicine? This new movement is more than just a trendy phrase and has public health implications that could be astonishing. This episode with Tufts Researcher is truly food for thought. So let's talk a little bit about this whole um, food is medicine movement. So can you just, I mean, I know it, but you're going to do a better job than I am. <laughs> And explaining it to our listeners and our viewers. Yes, absolutely. So it's important whenever I start talking about food as medicine that I want to acknowledge, like you did at the beginning, that food has been used for millennia and across the globe to support health and even as medicine in both formal and informal ways, right? So the important relationship between our diet and health is not new. And when people hear food as medicine, that might spur different ideas for them based maybe on their cultural background or even their professional sector, right? Like if they're in dietetics or in supplement manufacturing. For us at Tufts, when we say food is medicine, what we're referring to is a really specific set of food-based nutrition programs and interventions that are integrated into healthcare delivery and the healthcare mm -hmm. system to advance health needs and health equity in different populations. Once again, I want to thank you so much for listening to Spot On. I hope that you will subscribe to it so you won't miss any of our episodes. And season 11 is about to launch. So stay tuned for more wonderful episodes that are, well, we hope, spot on. Thank you. Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salgy Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you?